It's really loving people. I mean, that right there is going to make a difference. And I love Bible memorization. I know you do too. And I, I think it's something people should do more. I think it's almost something that Jesus expected his followers to do. However, it is not the hallmark in and of itself of maturity. Love God, love people. You see that repeated over and over and over again, even in the Old Testament. Love God, love people. And so I, I think that, you know, for us, we need to remember that. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. What makes the greatest impact in your daily journey with the Lord? Today, Pastor Daniel and Caleb Kaltenbach talk about the tremendous importance of loving God and loving people. Jesus said those two things are at the top of the list. They'll explore some of the ways that you can walk that out in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Caleb with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. You know, I live in the Los Angeles area. You live up in the Northwest. I'm sure there's plenty of multi-ethnicity where you're at. And especially within the city, the towns, the areas you're in. Same thing with Los Angeles and all the cities within the larger city. I mean, it's multi-ethnic, but there are some areas that are much more multi-ethnic than others. But here's what I've noticed and what a lot of studies have shown, that just because these areas are uh, multi-ethnic and they're diverse in that way, there's not really a diversity of thinking. There's not a diversity of view. There's not a diversity of opinion. Mm. Um, Most people believe the same things, even though they look different, which, again, I'm glad people that look different are living uh, together and are not judging each other based on that. That That's a huge step forward. And we need to continue to make sure it's a huge step forward. But it's like none of, it's like so many people, we don't want to touch the whole diversity of thought or the diversity of opinion, because now you're getting personal. Mm-hmm. Now you're dealing with opinions that my emotional attachments have developed. Now you're dealing with my experiences. And in many cases that, I mean, everything's con- in our lives are connected, but in many cases that is just so private and so, Uh, very uh, intimate. And so it is extremely easy to just surround yourself with people that you want to see. It's easy to surround yourself with people, you know, that that believe that way. You you can go to whatever news channel that leans your direction and you can go to the news channels and nobody's ever heard of and the weird ones, you know, and the articles and so on and so forth. Um, you can tell people things and present your story and your narrative. You can spin it in such a way so that it, you know, they answer in the way you want them to answer. And so it, it takes a lot of effort to really look at reality. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you've read this, but Henry Cloud has this fantastic book, really based on a lot of the research that he and Dr. John Townsend have done called Integrity. Mm-hmm. And I think that he defines integrity as the courage to meet the demands of reality. No matter what that reality is every single day, you get up and you're going to deal with what the day throws at you. And you're going to deal, you know, in, in a humble, but, but courageous way. And there are a lot of us, we don't want to face reality and we don't want a diversity of thought because we, we, 
again, gravitational pull towards self, we feel like we're losing some bit of power, you know, if we have our opinions challenged. So I, I think that really, again, the advice is get to know and get to become good friends with people who believe differently than you do. No matter if it's political, no matter if it's religious, no matter if it's whatever it is, because even if it's religious, who knows, you might end up helping them to follow Jesus. Now, and I think this is what you're saying is so powerful. And because really within your book, Messy Truth, you also make the case that for there are Christians who hold different theological viewpoints and even, you know, kind of uh, cultural viewpoints. And that seems kind of crazy to people because like, well, we, the Bible says this one way. And so how, how do you believe that we should be able to hold some of these things in tension? I think historically the church has been pretty divisive. It's like, if we don't agree on this thing, then, you know, I'm the first church or the second church and we just keep dividing the thing up. But now in this day and age, people are trying to, within the church are trying to find almost a more kind of a broad view of some of these things, but to, to have differing viewpoints in the same leadership team as a church, or, you know, the child, I mean, I think about, you know, your story with your, with your parents, you know, and all of a sudden you come home and you're a Christian, right. And it's like, Oh, like, and then the journey that you went on uh, to, to, you got put out of the house, you're back in the house, you're working on that relationship. Obviously that's, that's not an easy, um, journey, but it's a necessary one. So, so how does that look to, to be able to create environments that, uh, that diversity of thought is more embraced as opposed to being something that's immediately rejected? Well, I mean, first of all, I think we have to be sure of what we believe and we have to be sure of, you know, what are the fundamentals of our beliefs that form our values, um, a lot of people talk about values. They don't even know what values mean. You know, values are the things that you hold at such a priority that they serve as the filters for all the decisions you make in life. You run them through these values, even unconscious, even subconsciously, you run them through these values, whatever your values are. And I, I really, really believe that when it comes to Christians and even churches, or ministries creating these types of environments, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your ministry or whatever it is. I think that it, you know, the the more filters we have to run things through, the worse it's going to be. Now, true, you're going to be around people that believe exactly like you, almost exactly like you, which is a little scary, but maybe it's comforting for some people. But when it comes down to it, um, there are a couple of things that I think that serve as the primary values. You know, number one, love God, love people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many times did, you know, Jesus talk about that? Like I said, Paul talked about in Romans 13, 8 through 10, loving your neighbor. He talked about it in Galatians. If, if, if there's anything that causes us to not love God with everything, to not love our neighbor as ourself, then that's something that I've got to be wary of. If there's anything that is not that is not going to help me to have a high view of God, or if there's anything that's going to cause me to have a toxic vi- uh, view of Jesus, then that's something I've got to be careful of, because love is what it comes down to. I mean, John wrote in First John that God is love, right? He is love. And so I think it comes down to love, especially love God, love people. And so whatever it is that would create a toxic view of God, Whatever it is that would cause you to mistreat somebody, uh, whatever that looks like, that has got to be something that we deal with. Other than that, we've got to create room. And again, I'm not saying the other doctrines of theology aren't important. And I know you would say the same thing. But again, we're talking about fellowship with other Christians. 
we're talking about friendships. We're not talking about making leadership decisions about a church mission statement. We're not talking about the Council of Nicaea here. We're talking about friendships. And I think a lot of people cannot distinguish in their head between some of the instructions that Paul wrote to churches versus the instructions that he wrote to individuals. And you have a lot of people applying verses that Paul, where Paul wrote to churches and they're applying that to their friendships, you know, and it's kind of like, well, wait, 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 no, 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 no. That's it. Stop it. That's just what I want to say sometimes, even to myself, I just want to say, stop it. That's what I think. Yeah, it's it's and it's it's important because what we have right now, I think, is in society, is that people don't know how to be friends with people who who they don't agree with. And I love that idea that it's like we have to know what we believe because I almost feel like it's it's the fragility of our understanding of what what the most important things are that make us the most. It's like we become the most insecure about our beliefs uh, when we really don't understand them, or and when we are overly focused on ourselves. I mean, how much did Paul and Peter and and Jesus talk about place others before yourselves? Think of other people first. But whenever I think about myself before love God and love people first, I'm always going to have a distorted view of God, a distorted view of life. And thus, I'll have a distorted view of individuals. And I'll consider to look to myself as the source of what's right and wrong. Yeah, and I think people forget oftentimes that, you know, Jesus— had it, he had his greatest fight was with the religious leaders of his day who were the most excited about the coming of the Messiah. And the people who embraced him were the people who the religious people wouldn't even spend any time with. Right. So if there was ever an example of, you know, Jesus always doing those things that please his father, but also his, you know, his friendships and the people who he spent time with, the people who he cared about, you know, uh, the people who cared about him, you know, you realize that Jesus is a living embodiment of what you're talking about. You, you know, you know, tell me what you think about this, Daniel, and I think you'll probably agree, but I would, I'll be interested if you don't, but I really want your opinion. I, I think that it's a really easy for people to spout off everything that Jesus said, spout off all the verses they memorized. It is a lot harder to live the way that Jesus lived. Obviously, fasting is a big deal. However, pushing fasting, is, which I love to eat. I love myself some ice cream and Netflix. But pushing all that aside, okay, um, I told people the most, the deepest theology and the most complex theology as far as it hits your emotions. It's not Romans 9 through 11. It's not the book of Revelation, even though to me it looks like a theological Tim Burton movie. That's not the deepest theology in the Bible. The deepest theology in the Bible to me is Matthew 5, 38 through 48, is, is Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. If somebody takes your cloak, give them your shirt as well. It's like, uh, well, Jesus obviously didn't know Bob at my work. Mm. He wouldn't have said that otherwise, you know? And so really applying that to me, that is the deepest. That is the hallmark yeah. of a true disciple. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think the deepest theology is is the theology that we're willing to put feet on in real time in our daily lives. And I think it's easier, and I agree, it's easier to memorize a scripture or fight over a theological concept than it is to love somebody who you're repulsed by their decisions. Right. Yeah. And so, but really it's, you know, because it's easier, 
I think sometimes as Christians, we can have a tendency to really, we, w- we want to argue the theology rather than saying, actually, becoming the kind of person that would naturally do the things that Jesus did, you know, is so much harder and it happens at real time in front of us. So like when we, when we feel like we're like right now, people are like, oh, we're being persecuted as the church. It's like, well, what did Jesus say that we should do? We should love our enemies and we should, we should do good to the people who persecute us. So, so that doesn't mean like yelling at them, getting mad at them. So I do agree. I think the deepest theology is a theology that we're willing to put feet on and walk out. And sometimes a theology of, you know, predestination or election, as true as it may be, isn't necessarily going to change the way we treat somebody who we disagree with. No, it's not. And trying to act like we have everything figured out here when we're not the sovereign God who's timeless is, is, uh, you know, and again, I love studying that stuff. I know you do too. Yeah. You know, it's hard to be a pastor and not like to study that and, and learn about that. We may not always love it, but we like it. And, but when it comes down to it, it it's really loving people. I mean, that right there is going to make a difference. And I love Bible memorization. I know you do too. And I, I think it's something people should do more. I think it's almost something that Jesus expected his followers should do. However, it is not the hallmark in and of itself of maturity. Love God, love people. You see that repeated over and over and over again, even in the Old Testament. Love God, love people. And so I, I think that, you know, for us, we need to remember that. And that's difficult because here's the thing. While it's a good thing to memorize scripture, while it's a good thing to know theology, our sinful selves, that again, gravitational pull towards self, we can leverage that to make ourselves look better, just like the Pharisees did. You know, look at me. But when I love and serve someone, especially someone that I may have issues with or somebody that other people may have issues with, that makes them look better than me. And that's kind of an insult some of the times on my ego. And that's, that's why it's deep and, and so on. And I agree with what you said about, you know, it's easy to yell at our leaders. And yet, you know, Peter wrote First Peter under the reign of Nero. And what did he write in First Peter 2.17? Honor the emperor. And it doesn't mean that you can't disagree with the emperor or, the, you know, president or the governor or the mayor or, the, or your boss or your manager, whoever that is. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree. It doesn't mean that you can't respectfully let your voice be heard, but when you hear some of the things that people have said about our current and former presidents throughout the years and believers, it's like, mm, how does that align with first Peter two seventeen or what Jesus said or what Paul said in Romans 13? I just, it, it's sad. It's really sad. Well, now tell me this because many people who do those things and I, and I just so agree with what you're saying and, and the heart behind and the sentiment of, of what you're saying and the biblical reality of our our role as believers in this world right but when someone will say like well no we have to be that way because the truth right so they use the idea like we need to be bold about the truth and this is wrong and so we have to do that what do you say to somebody like that in regards now to this idea of messy truth and really not letting using the truth as a sledgehammer that we try and beat people into submission but really choosing to love god and love people and, and, and move forward into the world. Man, I, I would say, number one, like, yeah, we have to be bold and courageous. The leaders in, in the first century, New Testament leaders that we all love and read, they were bold. But they were bold and they were also gracious at the same time. And they were able to do both because they believed that God had already prepared tomorrow. 
that he walked there, that he had had it ready, and that no matter what happened today, God was going to take care of them tomorrow. And that faith gave them the opportunity to be able to be bold and courageous and, and gracious today. Now, you know, you think about us today. Should we speak up about things? Well, yeah. I mean, part of that is our, 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 our right in this, you know, country of a republic that we have. You know, it's, it's, we should. But at the same time, we should not be disrespectful. And when people say, you know, no, no, you know, we have every right to. Really? Show me where anybody said that in the Bible. Show me. And I've heard people say, well, John the Baptist and Herod, and he called him out for sleeping with his, you know, brother's wife or whatever. And I'm like, okay, he called him out. It doesn't say exactly everything he said, number one. And number two, you're not John the Baptist. Like you're not, you don't wear camel hair and you don't eat locusts and you don't live underneath a bridge or no, that's anyway, he, I don't think he lived under a bridge, but probably near a river somewhere. Okay. Not the guy you would want to have babysit your kids. So when I think about John the Baptist, I'm like, okay, you're not John the Baptist. Like, there's one John the Baptist. Even Jesus said that. There's one. That's mm. not you. Like, and you don't even know everything John said. So show me anywhere else. I mean, Jesus, like, even got to the point with Herod. He didn't even say one word to Herod. Herod was the only person in the Gospels that Jesus refused to speak to. But part of that is probably because he didn't have anything good to say. So he's like, I'm not going to say a word. It's so it's so true. And it's so good because I think we have a tendency to give, especially in the polarization of our society, people will really want to give themselves the liberty to be in the flesh, right? To, 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 to choose not to love that person because we disagree. Yeah. Well, and again, it makes us look like the hero. And if we're going to look like the hero, we need somebody else to look like the villain. So we can manufacture a villain. When, if we're going to be honest about all of our stories, all of us, Myself, you, everyone, at some point in our life, actually at many times in our life, we have been at one point the hero and another point the villain. At one point the victim and then the villain again. And the villain and the villain and the hero and then the person in the crowd just watching. And then the, You know what I mean? So to act like we don't have our stuff. If you follow Jesus, you already had to admit that you couldn't run your life on your own, mm. that you needed Jesus to live your life for you and to help you. So how do we so freely point the finger? It's because still we try to leverage our faith for ourselves. And we have to remember, love God, love people. That's what makes truth and grace, even God's truth and grace seem really, really messy. Now, Caleb, in our last few moments together, if people want to find the new book, Messy Truth, messy grace. They want to find you. They, they want to follow. Cause like we realize we're just getting like starting a conversation and, and I know that me and you, we could be here for hours kind of teasing out all these different things and exploring it. And so if people want to connect with you on the web, where do people find you at? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can uh, connect with me at uh, Caleb Kaltenbach.com uh, messy grace group.org. Uh, my social media handle is at Caleb wilds and Wilds is actually my middle name. Believe it or not, a lot of people say, why is it Wilds? I'm like, well, that's my middle name. It just sounds cool. Better than my other, better than my last name with all the syllables. So <laughs> at Caleb Wilds. And then um, the church I'm one of the pastors at is called Shepherd Church in the Los Angeles area. And if they want to get the books, uh, Messy Truth, Messy Grace, anywhere they like to buy books or? Yeah, anywhere, anywhere Amazon, anywhere, um, Target, Walmart, 
whatever. Um, and, and really it's available in audible audiobook, uh, Google play paperback, Kindle ebook, all the above. Awesome. Now, Caleb, if you could have the ear of the entire body of Christ, like if they gave like Caleb Kaltenbach one paragraph at the end of every Bible that everyone's going to read, what do you want to share with everybody? It's a great question. I heard of someone one like that that I'll tell you about later, but I, I think I would I would say this that love is the tension that we feel between grace and truth. Mm. We too often feel like it's incumbent upon us to balance grace and truth, but you cannot balance grace and truth. You do not have the ability, neither do I, because us always gets in the way of us. And that's why we need to get comfortable with the tension that we experience here on this earth between grace and truth. We need to resist the urge to just go on the grace side or go on the truth side, because we will always end up following some Frankenstein version of Jesus. We will always end up having a uh, disproportionated view of God and people and and really a distorted view of of God. And um, we have to, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We've got to embrace tension because again, there are absolutes in Christianity. One God, the Bible's inspired Trinity, but you know, I tell people, if you don't like tension, you won't like Christianity. We believe in one God, but the Trinity. We believe in the virgin birth, the wrath of the lamb. Like we believe that Jesus is fully God, fully human. We believe the Bible was inspired of God, written by people. You know, we believe that God is sovereign, but allows us to have human responsibility. Death and evil were defeated at the cross and the resurrection, not yet destroyed. Grace and truth, so on, so on, and so forth. Why is grace and truth more difficult for us than all the rest, than the virgin birth? I'll tell you why. Grace and truth always has to do with our relationships, and our relationships always have to do with emotional attachments. And so you have to learn to be uncomfortable and, and live in the tension. One of the best ways to do that is to make Jesus Christ your primary identity. Mm. because when he is your primary identity, you don't have to try to fight to protect your identity. He's got it. He's going to protect it. That allows you to be an ordinary person through whom which God can do extraordinary things. I love that. Love is the tension between grace and truth. My friends, I want to encourage you out there, go and get Caleb's books. This is important because we're living in a day and age where if there was ever a time we needed the people of God to love everybody without throwing our theology out, without playing the hypocrite by pretending the Bible doesn't say the things that it says, but to really embody what it means to walk in the truth because Jesus is the truth, to walk in grace because we've received grace and to bring that message into the world of salt and light. It's right now. So Caleb, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you. Man, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Jesus is real. Love is the tension we feel between grace and truth. Pastor Daniel and Caleb Kaltenbach wrapped up their conversation with this thought. Caleb challenged you to get comfortable in that tension, but that can only happen when your identity is firmly rooted in Jesus. Then you'll be able to step out and boldly love the people around you, knowing that you're securely tied to him. 
you can give them the love that he's poured out over you. If you'd like to listen to more from the Crazy Happy Podcast, you can visit JesusIsRealRadio.com or look for Pastor Daniel Fusco on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified each time a new edition is posted. And then be sure to join Pastor Daniel and journalist Billy Hallowell for more discussions and interviews that are relevant to your life today. Now back to Josh with a preview for next Friday's edition. We hope that you'll come back next Friday with Pastor Daniel and co-host Billy Hallowell as they sit down with The Bachelor star, Ben Higgins. Ben opens up about how he ended up on the show and what it looked like for him to take a step of faith and walk into something new and unknown. He'll share some of his struggles and how he felt so seen but so lonely. It's a powerful conversation you don't want to miss. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to tune in again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. 